I'm Sue Berman and this is Koratuturu, Real Gold. Today I'm meeting with Kahurangi Golton at Tamaki Pātaka Korero, the Central City Library, in the Heritage Collections Reading Room. And we're looking together at the case for the month of July. Kia ora Sue, tiwi. Thank you so much for making time to talk with me today and to share this amazing part of research and work that you presented. Um, what can you tell us about what we're looking at today? Yeah, so today we're looking at a collection of Motiatea, uh, uh, collected in 1854 by Riwaitehau uh, and composed by Hene Wairoro of Ngāti Henerangi and Ngāti Awa descent. These are our two key pieces for this showcase. And we've also accompanied these with two other motiatea that we collected from two other sources mm. uh, to talk about the more wider concept of motiatea and its application within te ao Māori. So before you tell me a bit more about that, its application within te ao Māori, could you describe what we're actually looking at? So the two pieces, the two more teatea that um, we collected from Henry Wairoro as the composer are two A4 pieces, or slightly off an A4 piece of paper, uh, of handwritten uh, documentation of the more teatea itself. Mm. We'll put a photo up into the up into the um, podcast because you can really tell mm. it's, it's age day, the paper. I think they called that size full scrap. It's not full scrap, uh. full scap. Oh, know, that's slightly okay, that yeah. longer than A4, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's all browned and... Yeah. Definitely aged. Got that, got yeah. that uh, fountain pen. <laughs> Very much so, yes. <laughs> Hand, yeah. which is so difficult to read. Did you manage to actually yeah. read the... Uh, to be honest, it was definitely a challenge um, because, of course, it is handwritten of that particular time. Um, so definitely something that I was guided by Rob Edewida in terms of his knowledge of how to decipher mm. that kind of writing. Um, and, of course, it sort of seems as though the way that they write is very much... Uh, in a motion state, so it's not as though they're sitting down, they've had that time to consider what they're going to write, it's very much as it's happening, um, at least that's my interpretation of it. Right, so you think the motiatea was being recited um, or sung, was a, is it a waiata or...? Yeah, so motiatea refers to all forms of waiata, um, at least back then it did, it's slightly changed in a more contemporary sense of what... Uh, Waiata is nowadays, yes. Mm. Mm. So you think somebody was reciting this and, and a, another person actually kind of... Yeah, it's highly likely it's because, cool. of course, we're talking 1854, so this is at a time where te reo Māori as a written language is still pretty recent um, in its early stages as... Um, and that goes for most of our manuscripts that were collected around that time. So it's highly likely that whoever it is that's actually reciting the piece um, is probably not likely to be the person who's actually able to write that. And of course it's not because we've got Riwai who, um, who is, is actually the one who's, who's collecting these pieces. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's neat that, that we have that level of detail around the, the items. 
Yeah. And so can you tell us a little bit more broadly about your understanding of, of the application of Wotetia te to our Māori? Mm. So what we do know is that um, pre-colonial period, um, Te Reo Māori was very much a oral language, so it was highly, it was very important that when it came to passing on knowledge or um, or sharing information across different perhaps generations, but also places, um, that there needed to be some form that. Uh, one could make sure that the memory could click into uh, whatever it is that has been recited of a mortiatia, um, but also be able to capture it within a certain format. And so the development of mortiatia um, makes sense in regards to the way it's been, it's actually designed. So, um, so mortiatia is is incredibly important in terms of capturing knowledge and transmitting it. Uh, from one place to another or from one generation to another. Mm. And you have something in the case that expands a little bit about how that was done, the, the tikanga around, mm. around that. Yes, so um, what we know about past times is that uh, there was certainly a lot of tikanga around knowledge, mātauranga Māori. Mm. Not everyone was... Um, uh, was invited to participate in that part of um, Te Ao Māori. So there were very specific disciplines that were applied to the way in which one would uh, learn and um, yeah, learn and write more teatea um, back in a certain time. And of course it starts to change later on in time. Um, so more teatea originally would have been taught in the dark hours of the night or the early hours of the morning and for some people they still practice that today. Um, and what it's all about is, is very much about cutting the senses right down so that one is tuned in to the oral and audio component of what it is that mm. we're doing, um, that more teatea is there to do. So it's very specific in the way that the sound, the tone, the rhythm is created. Um, it is to do with really tuning into a natural state. So that again, it is about that memory, it's about that retention, it's about that um, evoking of emotions and that sort of thing, so that it really harnesses what the essence, the true essence of whatever that mortiatea is to do with. Um, so it's incredibly important, in fact, all the way to today because there's knowledge within each of these mortiatia that we wouldn't have known if it hadn't have been for the fact that um, there's this form that we're actually able to, um, to go back to and say, okay, well, those are the sort of things that we lived by. And there's a lot of examples of that mm. uh, that many individuals have, have been able to find as they go back and through our own manuscripts here at Auckland Central Library um, for their own particular way and, and actually connecting um, some of the information that's retained within the multi that we actually have here. Mm. And this particular one that we're looking at, what's the essence or the message that's in, in it? Yeah, so we have two pieces here. Um, the first one really looks at um, an insight into the remembrance 
in people's hearts. So much like the language, the Māori language itself, it really talks to, um, to the beautiful metaphoric way that we look at the world. Um, and we definitely see that through our mortiazia. So um, again, it's the remembrance in people's hearts. So it's about inciting that. And, and this, this wahine would have been a wonderful, um, incredibly creative, I would imagine, um, very grounded person. Um, and then we've got a second piece which talks to one of my favourite types of mortiazia. Uh, which is a waiata tangi, and very specifically it's about invoking the strongest sense of grief that we have when one passes. So this particular song is called, uh, or motete, it's called Hedangi Tangi Tamariki, so a day weeping like children, loosely translated. Mm -hmm. So we start to see some really strong imagery around the sense of grief, uh, and we can see that today when um, a lot of our kapahaka groups are performing more teajia, um, especially those that really talk to waiata tangi, because it is all about evoking those really strong emotions that, that are attached to grief and loss. So um, it's, it's all about that, and, and I think Māori are pretty good at creating spaces where grief is is a big part of it and it's about really drawing out those emotions and so Waiata Tangi are a great example of that. Um, the, the tune of it, it really does speak to um, the pain and suffering that comes with with that. So we see that with our second Waiata Herangi Tangi Tamariki, again a weeping, a day weeping like a child. Um, so all about grief and sort of suggests this ceaseless tears that um, come with that that emotion mm. and of course on the paper we we see and experience the words of the past um, but uh, not the sounds necessarily mm. is there any kind of um, notation on on the no and I've had this conversation with a few people actually and and that is it's, it's, it's really to establish what the sound of it is. Mm. There's really not much to go off, obviously. It's only written down. However, it's, it's widely accepted that people will feel their way through what the sound of, mm. of the wise is. We can see, however, that um, what is suggested in the way that it's being written um, is that it does suggest at the end of each line that one should hold the, the last sound of it. So it does start to suggest mm. that, uh, which gives us some clues as to the way, at least the flow of, of the waiata itself, yeah. But certainly nothing in regards to the tune, um, which is up to whoever it is that wants to have the opportunity to breathe a bit of life into it to yep. interpret that. Mm. Amazing. Mm. Um, and then these other two pieces you have in the case look more contemporary. They sure are, published. yes. <laughs> yes. So what do yeah. they help us understand? Yeah, so one of the pieces that we have um, is, is quite a different one. So stepping away from the Waiata Tangi space, um, it's a demonstration on really the passing on of knowledge. 
basically. So we've got a waiata, it's titled He Tangi Motekete Huri i Pido. Um, and this is written by uh, Kahukore of Ngati Maniapoto descent. And it's a very specific motete that looks at um, a basket of rotten kumara. So really looking at perhaps suggesting that um, the knowledge of avoiding that or, or what's happened there is captured within that particular motetea. So again, it's very practical in its application. Um, it's not just about that emotion, although there's a lot of emo emotion still within this uh, motetea. Um, it's also very practical in the way that it operates as very practical knowledge moving. Mm. And I wondered if you could tell us about how some of these the themes of this relate in a way into Matariki mm. in this time of year in terms of Te Ao Māori. Yeah so what we do know about Matariki is that um, first in this particular instance it's about the revival of Matauranga Māori so um, that in itself is, is pretty linked to what Motetia, the purpose of Motetia um, is. With that said, uh, we know that Masariki is all about remembrance. So at the very least, what we see here is a demonstration of remembering past knowledge. Um, now, very specifically looking at Hine Wairoro's pieces, uh, particularly around Ngā Waiata, um, sorry, Ngā Waiata Tangi, um, that it does start to acknowledge uh, those who have passed it's a very big part of uh, matariki is the acknowledgement of those who have passed away. So um, what we might see throughout matariki is the revival of these types of motiatea for the purpose of acknowledging those who have passed on. So it makes sense to me that um, we would bring these types of taonga out um, as a genuine acknowledgement of Matauranga Māori um, during this significant Māori period. So lovely to talk to you. Mm -hmm. I wondered if um, you could just tell people a little bit about your role here with Ngā Pātaka Kōrero. Yeah, so my role is as a pōkōkere whakātūranga taonga. Um, now I sit within Te Waka Kirewai, uh, a unit, Māori Outcomes Unit within Auckland Council. Uh, however, I have the privilege of working closely with Rob Eduera here um, in our specials collection as we look to, um, to create more awareness and engagement between Tanga Māori, um, or Tanga Tukuwehu I should say, and Urifakahike that relate to those particular Tanga. So on that note, we will invite listeners to come in to um, Tamaki Pātaka Kōrero or the Central City Library and have a look at these items in the case for the month of July and of course to come and request access to these items anytime. Um, mm -hmm. I will put the links also into the podcast for um, to the images uh, that are available on Kura Heritage Collections online. And, um, and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Kia ora. Kia ora. <laughs>